It was so refreshing to speak with Angela about the impact of stress hormones on the body and how they affect one's ability to manage perimenopausal symptoms. Angela's view on transitioning through the third age is open and honest. Angela Council is a menopause educator who specialises in helping women embrace the changes that are happening to their body as they move through their menopause transition. She is on a mission to spread the word that it is possible to thrive in menopause and this can be a time of stepping into your wisdom and falling in love with yourself and your life. Angela is also the author of the number one Amazon best-selling book called Secret Mums Business. I hope you enjoy episode 17 with Angela Council. And welcoming to the Sexy Aging podcast today. Very excited, a, a fellow Antipodean. Is that how you say it? Is it Antipodian? Ant- <laughs> I can't even say it now. I have no idea. <laughs> no okay, idea. Apparently it's Antipodean because we're, you know, representing at the bottom of the world, New Zealand and Australia. Australia. Um, Angela Council, thank you so much for being the guest today. I'd like and to- thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, we want to talk about all things menopause because... We want to help other women understand what's going on in their bodies. Now, I'm not an expert. You are an expert. (laughs) So (laughs) I want to um, introduce you a little bit so um, we can really highlight the one of the factors that does impact greatly on women during these uh, menopausal journeys. So you are a menopause educator. Yep, with a mission yep. to make women feel good about their bodies, understand what's happening and thrive through the third age transition. Yep. And you have 20 years experience. You are a qualified naturopath and kinesiologist. So a woman after my own heart, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, you dive deep into the science of the body and then you, and you are able to articulate that for people to understand on the day-to-day. If they don't have to be a kinesiologist to understand, you help them understand. Yeah. So I, I, I love that. Um, you're also host of the podcast, Wise Woman Conversations. So yeah, to the fellow podcasters. <laughs> and you are self-published author of the book, Secret Mums Business, that went to number one in Amazon in the health, fitness and lifestyle category. So congratulations. Thank you. Now I'd like to hear from you. <laughs> so tell us about your journey um, and how you came to the, the place where you're helping women transition positively through this third age. Okay, so my journey is a long and winding one, as most women who get to this age is. Um, I was in the corporate world. I was a project manager. Of, well, I started work in the Commonwealth Bank and I went through the ranks and became, I was Uh, a high-ranking manager by the time I left and then I went on to become a consultant as a project manager I worked in IT projects I worked in telecommunication projects so really I was in the corporate world I was highly paid I was a consultant and I was so so stressed and at the time I didn't realize how my life was impacting my health I just thought, this is what we all do. We get out there and we strive, we go for it, earn the dollars, do it all. And I got to my um, late 30s and, as I said, you know, I was successful. People would look at me, I was successful. I was being paid a lot of money to do what I was doing. But there was something missing. And I, I had, I'd always put off having kids. And then one day, I know my late 30s, I said to my husband, I think it's time for me to have kids. And he goes, yeah, okay, fine, no problems. Um, But I'd always, like, it was a real change. He wasn't expecting that. And I did fall pregnant, um, but I had a miscarriage at work. And that was a really big turning point for me. That's when I realised all of the stress, all of the lifestyle, everything that I was doing, the rush, 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 was truly impacting me. And my contract was just about up. So I kind of said to my husband, look, I'm just going to take three months break. I just need a break. And in the back of my head, I'm taking, saying I'm taking six months break. And I heard about this thing called naturopathy. And I didn't know a lot about it, but I always had this belief, this innate belief, and I don't know where it came from because it's not from my family, not from my parents, that the body knew how to heal itself. We just had to give it the right environment to do that. And I wanted to learn more. So learning and knowledge is my highest value, always has been. And I wanted to learn more about how the body worked. 
And I didn't really want to be a doctor because that didn't really gel with me too much. And I'd been doing a couple of nighttime courses on nutrition, aromatherapy, herbs, so just, a, just dabbling a bit. So I thought, well, I'm going to find out a little bit more about this thing called naturopathy. So off I went and went off to college to learn how to be a naturopath. Within the first month um, of me leaving the corporate world, I was pregnant with my son, who is 19 now and then I went on and as I studied for the next five years I, I had I was either pregnant or breastfeeding so I had two children while I was studying and I breastfed so for five years I was studying and basically I was a new mum but I was an older new mum so I had my first at 40 and my second at 43 and then and, and now I realize at 43 when I had my second and then I breastfed for two years so at 45 I actually kind of came out of pregnancy and actually moved into perimenopause. But at the time, I did not realise that. And I did, I'd learned about menopause when I was studying, but all I'd learned was hot flushes, mood swings. And that was about it. Oh, weight gain. That was kind of all I'd learned. They didn't really teach me much. And as the years went on, and then I got into my early 50s, things started to change. My I still wasn't really thinking too much about menopause, but I, start, I got to a stage and it was my daughter was just about to finish year six, so just about to finish primary school. And all of a sudden I'm going, what is my role? Because my son was older, so he was getting more and more independent. My daughter was now about to go to high school. I knew she was going to become more independent. I had clients, I was working with clients, but I just lost my way. And I really didn't understand what was my purpose. And then my moods just started to dive and dive and dive. And I can remember one day being in the middle of my lounge room floor on my knees in tears going, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I doing this? And it was at the end of the year. So luckily I was able to take a bit of break from my clients. And then I went into a real big funk. Now I've had adrenal burnout before. And this was similar to adrenal burnout. So I'm kind of a bit of an expert on adrenal burnout, um, not because of what I know, it's because of what I've experienced. I have done it a few times, but this was different. There was this part of me that felt completely and utterly lost and I didn't understand what was going on. And I started to speak to a couple of close friends and I started to notice that, and that same age as me, that they were feeling the same way. And I'm going, well, is this menopause? And I still had, at this stage, still had a period um, and everything. Like my cycle was pretty regular. Wasn't, I was occasionally getting a hot flush, but I wasn't too concerned about it. And, but I kind of, I didn't understand what was going on. So I kind of went into a bit of a hibernation for a few months, which at the time was a good thing because shortly after my husband was diagnosed with cancer, which then took me on another journey um, as I kind of had to go through that as that journey as well with him. But then as I kind of started to come out the other side and the more and more I spoke to other women, um, I found that women were telling me similar stories. And I'm going, well, this is what menopause is all about. And I then going, well, this isn't what I was told menopause was all about. No one told me this. I didn't know this. And I'm supposed to be a trained professional. I've worked with women's hormones my entire life, well, my entire um, naturopath life. You know, I've worked with women to try and have babies, to regulate their cycles. I've worked in hormones but no one told me about what happens to hormones when we get to the end of our reproductive cycle. So that then sent me on a bit of a journey to learn lots of things. And my biggest symptoms, I got hot flushes, but they weren't overly, you know, they were inconvenient, but I got pain. I got body and joint pain and I couldn't work out what was going on. I was thinking I had fibromyalgia. Now I had lots of stress going on. So I think, oh, okay, it's fibromyalgia it's to do with all the stress. And then I started to do a little bit more investigating. And actually, I know you've had that Wendy Sweet is a, um, a friend of yours and you've had her on the podcast. And I started to read some of the work she was doing. Then I was looking at other things and going, oh, this is part of the menopause symptoms. And then I started to learn why, you know, why women get pain and what, how that's related to the hormones. And the more and more that I learned and obviously went through the journey myself, then the more I could teach others and I, the pain I got under control, I, I worked out what I needed to do with that using herbs and nutrients, but then I still had the weight. Weight was another big thing for me. In the past, when I wanted to lose weight, I would just go on a keto diet. I would drop the kilos really, really easy. That wasn't working anymore. Number one, I struggled to stick with a keto diet. 
um, I just really struggled. And, and then that was like my, I mean, I was generally paleo, keto, keto was never hard for me. Then it was, it was hard for me once I got into menopause and then the weight wouldn't come off and didn't matter what I did. I was just putting on more and more and more weight. And then I was embarrassed to talk about weight to clients. And I knew more clients were going, well, I'm putting on this weight and I'm going, I'm going out there and everyone's kind of, everything I was seeing was, oh, keto will work, keto will work. And I'm going, it doesn't work. It's not working for me. And so I stopped, I wouldn't talk about weight. I'd talk about everything else to do with menopause, but I wouldn't talk about weight. And then I discovered personalized health and based on genes and epigenetics. And I went in and I did a lot more study on that and started to realize that it's not about, well, it is about the food that we eat, but what people think is a healthy diet is not necessarily a healthy diet for me, a different healthy diet for someone else, but it's more than diet. It's got to do with our lifestyle. It's got to do with the way we move, the times that we move, how we, how we see our environment, what our social life is like. So it became a bigger thing. It became bigger than knowing the right foods to eat. And the more I did that work, then for me, the weight just started to really easily just fall off. And yes, I made some changes to my diet, but my diet I would have considered generally was healthy before I started. But there are things I was eating that wasn't right for my body. And once I learned what my body needed at this time of life, not what it needed 10 years ago, what it needed now, and I started to eat that way and use the time, so eat at the right time. So for me personally, I intermittent fast. Works really well for me. Doesn't work for many of my clients. But when I worked that out and then looked at all of the other environmental and lifestyle factors, it just reduced all this stress. And when I reduced all this stress, the weight just came off and it stayed off. So I've lost I, I, I've lost 15 kilos and I've kept it off. And not only have I lost the weight, I've increased my energy. I am stronger and still rebuilding the muscle because I lost a lot of muscle um, when I put the weight on, but I've got to rebuild that up again. But I'm feeling better and I'm in a, re I'm in a really good place now. And now I'm in a place where I'm comfortable sharing what I know with other women and I've got clients who are going through my programs and they're getting results but they're not all doing the same thing because it's all personalized to each one of them so that's kind of how I've got to be where I am now um, basically for me I have always been I've always seen seen myself to be a couple of steps ahead of where my clients are so it's just my journey and then as I go through my journey and I learn, then I teach. And that's just the way I've always been when it was when I very first started and I was working with, you know, mums with new bubs, my children are a little bit older. Then when as my kids got older, I worked with mums with toddlers, school age. It's just like what I learn, then I teach. And that's that's how I've got to be where I am right now. Well, we literally have the same pathway and philosophy because I'm a I'm I'm not sure. I didn't ask you how old you were, but I'm probably a little bit younger. Fifty-nine last Sunday. <laughs> Happy birthday for last and Mother's Day. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm planning the big one. I'm now I'm planning for sixty. And you should because it is a milestone to celebrate. You look fantastic. You you just have this vivaciousness and this energy to you. Um, so we were both geriatric mothers <laughs> yeah don't you love that term geriatric mothers it's actually the only time i'm going to use geriatric and not when i'm supposed to because um i feel like it makes me laugh so much that you know i had a baby at 42 um and you know i've had other podcast interviews where the same thing has happened they've had late pregnancies and then move straight into menopause I mean, how do you deal with toddlers when you're menopausal as well? That's a double whammy, right? I know. But the th the, I think the good thing is most of us don't realise that menopause is playing a role. We just get yeah. tired because we've got toddlers. Yeah. And one of the other points that you mentioned that really hit me as well was that moment where you were like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot that plays into getting your psyche to that place. And you actually, I mean, the, 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 the lack of sleep, the poor sleep, the stress, a whole lot of hormones and things that are going on that take a very competent, confident personality, which is what probably most people see me as, to a place where I'm thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Yeah. 
And it's so freaking scary. So I just yeah. wanted to highlight that, you know, like I'm hearing you speak and you are a confident person and to honestly and authentically share with us that moment, my heart started racing <laughs> when, <laughs> when you said that, because I was like, yeah, I've had that moment and it's freaking scary. It's um, also so very common. Yeah, um, but, but this is not the thing people are talking about. Like no. you say, we, we, we tick off the symptoms, hot flashes, sore joints, uh, weight gain, uh, brain fog, da, da, da. But nobody talks about that moment. And, and it's like borderline depression, anxiety. That, and that's yeah. what I thought. I said, because I spoke to a dear friend of mine and she'd been through depression and she'd been through suicide and all of that. Obviously, it wasn't successful, um, but she, she's been through all of that. And when I spoke to her, I, I said, "I don't think it's I don't think it's depression. Like it feels like depression, but I don't think it's depression. And it wasn't depression, but it was yeah. this clash of my reproductive hormones changing, but then adding on top of that, you know, my the fact that I did have young kids, and then also." everything was changing and then the stress was on top of that as well yeah because the stress kind of it was the stress that overlaid the top of everything that was going on that really triggered it and it's so common for women you yeah know, how many women could get to the age of 40 45 and say I don't have stress in my life yeah no. well if they've got young children then they can't really say that ever <laughs> and it's like but we and we can't because stress isn't because we quite often think well stress is just emotional stress but stress comes in many forms. Stress is also the food that we're eating. Mm. You know, what inflammation. Is, yeah, yeah, the inflammation that's going on in the body, the insulin resistance that's going on in the body. It's also the exposure of toxins that come in that, um, you know, stress our body, it's our liver. You know, the number of, number of women, and the, uh, New Zealand will be the same as Australia, the highest demographic of wine drinkers in Australia is women over the age of 45. I'm guaranteed that it's the same over there in New Zealand. Yeah, well, I'm putting my hand up and owning up to that one. I'm definitely in that category, yeah. although very aware of it. Like I'm very conscious of, do I use alcohol as a crutch to sort of get me through the rest of the night to so mm -hmm. I can go to sleep well? Or, you know, like a lot of that, I, I question a lot of those choices now, which I think is good. But yes. there was a moment like a couple of years back when I was thick in the thick in the forest of perimenopause and I was drinking a lot. Yeah. And it's so common. Yeah. yeah. Because when, when I, I, you know, I have this conversation with women and I say, well, you know, I'm not telling you to stop drinking. Now, I personally did stop drinking. It was the one thing that stopped my pain. So when I was in severe pain, actually cutting out all alcohol yep. took out all of my pain. And yeah. now I just don't drink. I'm just kind of out of the habit of it. And I yeah. was never a big drinker beforehand anyway. But I, I speak to women and I say, well, look, it's, I'm not saying you have to give up alcohol, but if you've got symptoms which are related to stress, related to your liver, related to the alcohol, you have a choice. You either drink or you have the symptoms. Yeah, suck it up. <laughs> One or the other. You know, and yeah, you know, like, if, but if, if you're just having a, a drink every so often and you're aware that, okay, I'm probably going to feel shitty tomorrow morning, yeah, that's okay. But a lot of women are in the stage of it's a habit that every night I've had a tough day. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab a bottle of wine and I'm going to pour a glass. And then I'm going to pour a glass while I'm making dinner. I'm going to have a glass while I'm eating dinner. Then I'll have a glass to relax after dinner. And before too long, we've drunk nearly a bottle. And that's a habit. And, you know, and to be honest, that's an alcoholic habit. Mm. But we don't want to see that because we see alcoholics as, you know, the, the, the homeless person that lives down the road. But in yeah. fact, so many women are actually dependent on alcohol because when you say, you know, I recommend you stop, they go, oh, but I really enjoy it. Mm. And you say, well, your body doesn't need it because your body doesn't need that dose of poison that you keep because it is a poison. Your body doesn't need that. So what is it that you really want? And generally what women are really looking for is they're looking for connection or they're looking for space. They're looking for time. It's just when they have that wine, so they get home, they have a glass of wine because it just gives them time to, it just gives them the space. Then they, they have it at dinner because it gives them the connection because they're having, it's really the connection they want, not the wine. But actually mm. starting to understand what's, why do you want the alcohol 
and actually addressing what's really going on. And when you do that, you find that then you actually don't require the alcohol because you get the connection, you get the space, you get the time outside of that. And, you know, and alcohol is just one, sugar is another one, and coffee is another one. So these are the things that we're doing, which are causing stress in our body. And when we cause stress in our body, that impacts all of our hormones, because our hormones are like a network of, their hormones are chemical transmitters. And basically they tell the different parts of the body to do things. And when we've got stress, the stress hormones interrupt other hormones. So it interrupts the reproductive hormones or the thyroid hormones or the blood sugar hormones. So it interrupts other hormones. And when it interrupts other hormones, different parts of your body will give you a response. And that will be a hot flush. That will be pain. That will be, um, you know, foggy headedness. But it all comes back to stress is the underlying cause of all symptoms when it comes to menopause. And I don't call them menopause symptoms. I call them symptoms associated with menopause because menopause isn't the problem. Every one of us is going to go through menopause. We actually require our hormones to come down. I'm not a big proponent of HRT because our, our hormones need to come down because we're no longer producing eggs. So our hormones are there, our reproductive hormones are there to support our ability to procreate. So, you know, it supports our ability to hold eggs, to release an egg, to have an egg there ready for fertilization. If it gets fertilized, to continue to support it until we um, give birth. Or if it doesn't get fertilized, the hormones are there to get rid of that out of the body with a monthly period. Now, if we don't have those eggs anymore, we don't need that level of hormone. But hormones do give us protection because once again, it's protecting the body so that the body can do what it's designed to do. And whether we live, you know, we live in a modern world where we go, well, you know, I don't want to be pregnant. But evolutionary, we are designed to have babies for a certain amount of time. And then once we've finished having babies, then women, as they get older, are there to be the wise women for the rest of the tribe. And the reason why, and there's actually a bit of research around this, is the, the reason why there's only two mammals in the world that actually has a menopause, us and whales. So, and that means that we can live longer after our reproductive years than, um, than other mammals. Other mammals die. Once basically finished reproducing, they die. But humans don't because humans are there. They need the wise women. So it's like they call it the grandmother effect. But basically, if we continue to have babies into the day we died, we become competition to the younger women who are coming up. So that's why we are designed to actually stop having babies so we can now actually guide and the, the younger women and the rest of the, the community, the rest of the tribe, whatever you want to call it. And that's just our evolution. And killer whales go through the same thing. Or a killer whale, there's two types of whales that do the same thing where they have grandmothers. And when you think about that, oops, sorry, I just dropped something on the floor. <laughs> um, when you think about that, that's a beautiful way to think of who we're, who we're becoming. So rather than us getting all upset about the fact that, you know, we're no longer getting periods or we're getting these uncomfortable symptoms, if we embrace that this is the next stage of our life, and as you call it, the third age, you know, next chapter, whatever you want to call it, this is the beginning of our life because the life before that was the life that we gave to others. You know, we were a child and then we became mothers, we became partners, we became, you know, we gave of ourselves, we became who other people wanted us to be. We became who society wanted us to be. Now we've got the opportunity to become who we want to be. And yeah, that's amazing. And it is amazing. And I actually think that this is the one of the biggest challenges. So mm. when we hit up against that, a lot of women are not ready to accept that actually this is your time. So they go into a funk because they go, well, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. Right. So here we are having these conversations through these podcasts, through books and through um, connections that we're making to help other women, especially, I think my friends, I have a lot of friends that are in their early 40s, 
kind of prepare. That's my that's my dig. That's my yeah. purpose is to help my friends and help younger women. Just like you mentioned, I'm kind of in that wiser woman <laughs> category now. I'm not a grandparent. I've still got an eight year old. No, so I've got a long no, way to go. I, but <laughs> long way to go. But I feel really comfortable with the idea that I will help in some way these women understand and prepare for what's about to happen. So it impacts them less emotionally and mentally. I can't really control any level of physically like you've mentioned the epigenetics the you know ectomorph mesomorph endomorph the body type is going to affect how you deal with um menopause uh through through you know through yeah. your menopausal years um one of the things i really wanted to touch on with you and um and to shed light on the impact of stress you've already mentioned a little bit of about stress but if you're happy to dial back and talk yep. about um adrenal yeah adrenal fatigue because we've both had it and you've had it you've, you've mentioned you've had it more yeah. than once the, the the hormonal effects on adrenal fatigue versus the hormonal effects on perimenopause where there is some similarities but what do you see as the major difference so tell us about adrenal fatigue yeah. then stress hormones on perimenopause and then wrap it up with <laughs> what is the main difference okay radio and I, you want me to do this in 10 minutes, I'm supposing. <laughs> you can. Okay. You can because you're antipodote and here we go again. <laughs> Antipete, no, go for it. <laughs> I'll just go. So, yeah, so let's just start with what is stress. Now, people think stress is the argument that you had with your kids or your husband or something like that. But as I said before, stress is more than that. We have physical stress. We have emotional stress. We have mental stress environmental stress, spiritual stress. So stress comes in many, many forms. But in essence, stress in whatever form it's coming to you is a physical reaction within the body. So there's part of our brain, which is the primitive part of our brain, or it's called the lizard brain. And what it is, it's actually on alert all of the time, looking for danger. So this part of our brain is designed to keep us alive. And if we go back to in evolution to when we were cave women wandering around the earth, basically it was on alert looking for a saber-toothed tiger or foods that could have killed us or whatever, or could also have been um, feast or famine. So the times when we didn't have food and other times when we did have food. So it was on alert all of the time, but it wasn't active all of the time because these threats were not, not available. Like they weren't there all the, all the time, but it was just, it was just kind of checking things out. Now, that part of the brain hasn't changed in hundreds of thousands of years. So it is still on alert. But unfortunately, today, we live in a 21st century world where we have alerts binging at us all the time. We've got phones, we've got watches, we've got computers, we've got emails that come in, we've got social media, we've got all this stuff, the television telling us that there's a virus that's going to kill us, that we've got to close the world down. And we've got all this stuff is being bombarded to that part of the brain. Now, that lizard part of the brain is just going danger, danger, danger. There's another part of the brain which can actually put some logic to that, but that part of the brain has no logic. So it's going danger. And when it does that, it actually puts a physical response in the body. So what happens to the body on a physical level is the adrenals initially will send out adrenaline. And most people have felt the adrenaline rush. Basically, the heart starts to pound. Um, you might get a bit jittery, jittery and you, know, you kind of get like this. But adrenaline doesn't last for a long, long time. It's pretty short term. And then as it comes down, then we have another hormone called cortisol. Now, cortisol is a long-term stress hormone, and it will release every 12 seconds, around about 12 seconds, for as long as that part of your brain thinks that there's danger. That can go on for years and years and years. And so when we're under the influence of cortisol, it changes our physical body. So it changes our heart rate. It lowers our immune system. It shuts down our digestive system because we don't really need to be eating too much if we're in danger of dying. It also shuts down our reproductive hormones and throws them out of balance because once again, if we're in high times of stress or if there's no, no food around, we don't want to be falling pregnant. So it kind of throws everything out of balance. And it changes all these physical parts of our body. It changes the way that we sleep. And this just becomes almost a habit. 
And the body gets, it's what we call cortisol resistant in that the cortisol's coming out and the body kind of stops reacting to it. It just stays in this state, which we now think is normal. We think it's normal not to sleep properly. We think it's normal to be bloated. We think it's normal to you know, be getting sick or not be getting sick because that's a big one. And how many people go on holidays and they haven't been sick all year. And as soon as they go on holidays, they get sick because now the stress comes down and they get sick. And that's really, really common. But our body, we kind of get used to a new normal. And we think that we're actually, we think we're okay. We think everything's okay. And until someone shows you differently and says, oh, look, if you do X, Y, and Z, you will feel different. And then you go, oh, this is the way I'm supposed to feel. Because we just get used to living in this high-stress world. Living in the 21st century is a stressful place to live. More stressful than it was when we were kids. And, you know, and even now we see that, you know, I see my daughter now, it's like she's stuck to her phone all day long, except when they did school, she's not allowed to. But as soon as she's out of school, back on the phone, these things in her ears that are sending things through her brain, she won't listen to me. She's on, you know, Snapchat and everything. This is stressful to the body. And we might consciously think, oh, I know what I'm doing. But it's there's a part of our brain that's going danger, danger, danger. And after a while, the body stops listening to danger, danger, danger. And that's when we get into adrenal fatigue because the body has been so overwhelmed with responding that we run out of response, basically. And that's where, you know, and you can get tired, run down, your digestive system isn't working, your periods are, or everything's kind of completely out of whack because the body is almost, it's just almost at shutdown stage. It's like, you can barely, some, for some people, when they're in adrenal fatigue, they can barely pull themselves out of bed. Yeah, that was my biggest symptom. So yeah. I had adrenal fatigue, I think I was probably 43, 44, a couple of years after my baby. Um, and uh, I, was, I went back to work full time. My job was really intense. I was traveling a lot for work. I was away 10, 15 days a month. And so my stress I think my emotional stress was um, the fact that someone else was looking after my child mm -hmm. while I'm away, while I'm trying to do this job that I absolutely loved. So there was that part, right? But yeah. it was just that impact of the emotional um, drama and trauma that was affecting me. And um, I remember the biggest symptom was one day I woke up and I felt like I couldn't get out of bed and I didn't want to get out of bed. And so I didn't. But then what happened was it went on and on and I went on for days and I was like what the heck yeah. <laughs> you know fit person motivated person couldn't get out of bed for three or four days yeah took a blood and, test and, yeah. and that's because and your cortisol levels because cortisol is what keeps you going gets you going in the morning and we we ideally have high cortisol in the morning because it's what it's your wake-up hormone but and your melatonin is just is your go-to-sleep hormone and they work opposite to each other but you get to a stage whereby that cortisol is just not there. And so all you want to do is sleep. So your melatonin is too high and it's actually daytime and you're, you shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't have high melatonin during the daytime. You should have low, but everything's out of whack. You know, and from the outside, people would have looked at your life going, oh, she's a mum. She's got young, you know, a young baby. She's doing this job. She loves, she's traveling. Travel is so stressful in our body, particularly if we're changing time zones, we're, we're, not we're actually not supposed to be traveling up there at you know 30,000 feet above ground sea level. We're, we're actually supposed to be down here on the ground. <laughs> and it's all stressful. And even though people will look at that and go, oh, wow, she's got a great glamorous life. You know, how could she possibly be stressful? But, and everybody is different. And some people can cope with that better than others. But yes, there's the emotional stuff of you're, you're away from your baby, someone else is looking after your baby, so and you're still under the hormones of pregnancy and there's probably all these other hormones going on as well. And you, you kind of, it's just like, it becomes then just like a melting pot. Everything happens all at once. And this is what happens for many women as they're coming into perimenopause, because most women don't realise that perimenopause can start from your late 30s, but Generally, by the time you're in your mid-40s, you are in perimenopause at some stage of perimenopause. And this is this is why I want to talk about this, because women don't understand. They think menopause, end of periods, that happens to old women. Actually, no, perimenopause happens to young women, and it can happen from late 30s 
any time, you know, in that 40. But if you're in, if you're in your mid 40s, you're in perimenopause. Whether you want to admit it or not, you are in perimenopause. Peri just means before, but it's that time your hormones are shifting. And yeah, you don't get to give permission. There's no permission no. that comes with this. No, right? The hormones just do it. And how you get to this stage of life and how you feel at this stage of life is very much dependent on what you've done for the 10 years beforehand. And how, you know, and if you've been highly stressed, you haven't been looking after yourself, you haven't been eating properly, you haven't been moving properly, all of that, that's actually going to show when you get to your mid-40s, then you're going to start to get symptoms. And, you know, and it doesn't, there's nothing, it's not your fault. It's just that we don't know. And I wish that women earlier than their mid-40s knew what was going to happen so they could actually make changes in their mid-30s. And once they started to make changes in their mid-30s, then by the time they get to their mid-40s, their hormones are still in balance. And, you know, the stress is still under control, but you're eating the right foods and then it just becomes easy. But realistically, no one in their mid-30s is really going to start thinking about menopause. So we've got the opportunity. And this is one of the things that um, I want women to know is, yes, things start to change. And yes, you might, you know, get a few symptoms and things like that. This is an opportunity. This is a reset opportunity. Because what's happening is your hormones are winding back to where they were when you're in puberty. So I call menopause puberty in reverse. So your hormones are winding back to where they were when you're in your, you know, 10, 12, whatever. The difference between the two is now you've got a whole pile of extra baggage. You know, you've got relationships, you've got responsibilities and all of that. And that's what makes it different. But you have an opportunity at this time to create what it is you want for the next half of your life because your hormones are resetting, they are changing. So when your hormones change, your body changes. So now this is, the, you know, there's a five year window of where you're actually able to go, okay, so how do I wanna do the next third of my life, the, the next part of my life? Because you can either just keep doing what you're doing and doing what you've been doing and more than likely your health will go down. Or you can say, this is a time for me to reset. It's a time for me to change. What does my body need right now? Now that my hormones are different, now that my body's different, what does my body need right now? And what do I need to do to prepare myself for the next 40 years? Because yeah. too many women, and not just women, too many people in that last 40 years who are on medications and they go on one medication after the next medication after the next medication, and there is no quality of life. Yeah. So thank you for mentioning that because it was, I've mentioned it in a previous podcast. It, it was, I was 45 when I received a book called Longevity. Um, and it was written by Cameron Diaz. Okay. So it's got all the star power behind yeah. it, but there was a lot of really interesting points in there. A lot of studies that she had um, uncovered around you know, healthy aging. So it was my first foray into, okay, what does life look like after 45? It was at 47 that I made a conscious decision that I could impact the rest of my life by significant changes that I made then. And I'm a fitness person. So I've always been into moving, eating healthily. And, I, and I've been practicing yoga for 15 years and I meditate, you know, every day. Mm -hmm. So I had all those things in practice, but I made a conscious decision at 47 that I was going to slide into 50, banging it. <laughs> but more importantly, like the rest of, I was thinking really long term, yeah. like I, I want to keep moving. I want to feel good. I want to be vivacious and awake and uh, learning. And I want my brain to keep functioning. So yeah, I get the odd brain fog from a bit of sleep, but I'm not losing, you know, the yeah. desire to keep growing and learning as a human being. Um, and I think that that's probably one of the best tips that I can give women, anyone listening, if you are in your early 40s, that start really thinking about this. Now, yeah. take on board this information that Angela is giving us and really make a concerted effort to think about how you want the rest of your life to be, because it could be absolutely amazing. It is. And there are women out there who are doing it. There, there are women out there who are totally thriving and, you know, on over and beyond for the second half of their life they are doing it and but what they've done is they've made that conscious decision and it does mean more than likely you have to change some of the things you've been doing 
because what you've been doing up till now has got you to where you are right now. If you're experiencing symptoms and things, your body's starting to, it, it speaks to you and it speaks to you with these different symptoms. So if it's, it, it's not calling out saying, hey, give me more hormone, it's say, hey, hey, give me more love. And, you know, some women go on hormone replacement. That, that is a personal choice. I personally just don't think we need it because we don't need to replace hormones. Hormones are meant to come down. But you might need it for a short amount of time to get you over a hump. And that's okay so long as you've got a plan on how you're going to come off. It doesn't mean you have to ignore, you know, the diet, the movement and all that. You actually need to put those processes in place behind the HRT so that when you wean down off HRT, you're, you're actually ready to step into who you are because so many women go on HRT, they change nothing. And then the doctor say, well, the risks are too high. It's over five years. You have to stop taking HRT. So they take it. All of a sudden, they've just withdrawn all of this hormone from their body. Their body's got no natural hormone left because it's, it's gone through menopause. And then they're full blown into symptoms again. So we need to do the work behind. If you decide that HRT is what you need, you need to still do the work behind the HRT. Yeah. So that when you come off it, you're actually, your body is where it needs to be. Yeah. I appreciate your views on that, um, Angela. I haven't taken HRT and I know very little about it. And I feel like at this stage personally, and I am not one way or the other. Okay. So, you know, I, I actually, but I do believe that because I've taken really good care of myself, I feel like maybe I'm transitioning pretty easily yeah. and I've got all these management things in place, particularly on the stress side that I'm not turning my gaze to HRT personally for me, but it's not to say that I wouldn't say, hey, look, look into it if you feel like it's something that's really going to help yeah, you. For some women, yeah. if they're doing it, so research or statistics tells us 20% of women get through menopause pretty easily. 20% of women get through it horrendously. And the others, they have mild symptoms. So if we, the 80% of women that are either not having issues or getting through it with relatively with relatively easy. You know, it's a bit of an inconvenience. They don't need HRT. But the women who are doing it really, really, you know, really tough, and generally that is because of what they've been doing beforehand. And what I'm finding is a big correlation to women who have done IVF hormone therapy. So they've actually been given a lot of hormones to do IVF. They're the ones who tend, not always, but tend to have it tougher when they come through menopause because their hormones are out of balance because they got all these synthetic hormones, unless they've done the work to fix up, you know, clean everything up. But they were given mega doses of hormones to stimulate eggs and all of that, you know, have eggs harvested and all of that. So that can set women up for a really tough menopause. So they probably do need some hormone to get them through or women who come into early menopause or a chemical or surgical menopause. So, you know, if they have, they lose their ovaries because of hysterectomy or cancer basically puts them into a chemical, then that is, because that's a quick withdrawal of hormone. So when we do a quick withdrawal of hormone, that's when you need to replace hormone. But if you just have a gradual hormone, drop that's the way the body is supposed to go is just this gradual hormone drop and we should be able to cope with that because that's the natural way of doing it just allowing our body to do and just managing what comes up but it is about the five pillars i talk about is and these are all to do with stress eating well moving well reducing toxins in your uh, life and environment managing your stress and changing your attitude to aging if you think aging and menopause is going to be shit it will be but it doesn't have to be. It's it can be it can be whatever you create it to be because it all comes from here. Yeah. So what I recommend on that aging thing, thinking that you know it's a state of mind. I think that we open up our cupboards and we take out every product that says anti-aging because that's oh, a good yeah. place to start. <laughs> well, I hate that. Yeah, and, and the, the L'Oreal ads that say yeah. when you use this cream, you'll look like a twenty-year-old again. It's like, why do I want to look like a twenty-year-old again? I've been through all of that. You know, the angst of being a 20-year-old. I don't want to be 20 again. I don't want to look 20. I want to look who I am. You know, I rarely wear makeup. I got silver coming through my hair. I, I Actually, I wish I was one of those women that just had all that silver hair, but I'm never going to do that. So I have silver bits coming through, sprinkles coming through. And that's exactly, that's who I am. I've stopped dyeing my hair. 
yeah, it's like just embrace it. The only thing I'm not overly keen about is because I did lose weight, a lot of my skin is a lot looser. So it's a bit flabbier. And but that's just there's nothing I can do about that. So, so you know, sometimes when I go to yoga and do a downward dog and I come and look at my arms and I go, things are just hanging. But that's yeah, but the fact I lost weight. If I if I put the weight back on, it's it's going to all fill out again. So I just live with that. But that's just yeah. that's not menopause. That is just I'm aging. I am getting mm. older. You know, I'm 59. I just turned 59. It's like, you know, I'm not 20 anymore. I don't have the body of a 20 year old. I don't want to have the body of a 20 year old. I'm actually quite comfortable, particularly now with the body that I have right now. And yes, it might have stretch marks in it. And yes, my tummy might be a bit softer, but this body housed two babies and it fed two babies for, you know, two years, their first two years of their life. So, what's not to love about that no i i agree i think it's that's a beautiful story that a lot of us can share to wrap up today's interview um you help a lot of women um through the menopause journey and you know we have spoken about stress what are your top tips and what, actually can i ask it the first question is there's two parts so hopefully we can wrap it up pretty quick <laughs> Because now I have like a lot of questions for you. <laughs> the, the first one is, um, what are the top stresses that you're seeing in today, today's age from women that you speak to? And what are your top tips for them to combat that stress? Okay, so the biggest um, stress I think for women as they come through this time of life is that they feel lost and confused. They don't know what's going on. Their body is changing. They don't understand what's going on. They go to their doctor and the doctor says, suck it up it's part of being a woman and I think that really stresses women out because they all of a sudden their bodies the body seems like it's out of control and what can we do about that well number one is we need to have more conversations like this so women understand they're not alone we need to be you know menopause should not be a taboo subject it needs to be a normal conversation that everyone's happening so that women can go oh I understand what's happening this is why I teach women about their hormones. And it's part of what I do is, you know, I teach women, what are the hormones doing? And, it, you know, it's, it seems really ironic that I'm teaching women about their hormones just as they're basically losing most of their hormones because they don't understand what was happening when they're in their reproductive state of life. So I have to teach them that so they can understand what changes are happening. So I think that's the big thing. So it is really you know, yes, we could talk about other stresses about, you know, life's changing and society doesn't value us and all of that. But I think it comes down to that women don't understand and they think they have a sense of loss. And even if you don't like your periods or you never want to feel pregnant again, there's a sense of loss plus also a feeling of being lost. And the, if we start to understand that this is what women are going through and just actually be gentle with them and allow them just to experience that. Oops. <laughs> so, yeah, so women feeling lost and that sense of loss is a really big stress that a lot of women don't understand. And then we can look at the other stresses that are going on with women with the food that they're eating and, you know, whether they're moving, you know, and as I said, the five things, food, movement, toxins, emotional stress and attitude. And if we look at all of them, but the biggest thing I think is that we can all do is just open this conversation and don't be afraid to talk about menopause. We're not afraid to talk about being pregnant, which is another stage of life. So, you know, we celebrate being pregnant. We celebrate being a mother. So I would love for us all to be celebrating stepping into that next stage of our lives, which is our wise woman years. And every woman has that wisdom, that inner wisdom. We just don't know how to hear, we don't hear it. We don't know how to listen to it. We don't know how to tap into it. And that's one of the things I do with the clients when I work with clients is helping them to tap into that inner wisdom. You know, they, none of us really need other people telling us what to do, but we often require someone to help us hear ourselves and that's my big thing because you know my my greatest joy is when um i have a woman who goes when i when i eat certain things now i know that it doesn't work for me and i am and i know what's right for me now and i don't actually have to worry about what anyone else says this is what works for me that to me tells me that a client is on the way to discovering her true inner wisdom and 
basically it becomes a F you to the rest of the world. And that's when we know we've got here, when you can just turn around and say, I don't really care what you think. This is what I think. Thank you so much, Angela. Uh, I've been quite enlightened. I've written down a lot of points and I know that my listeners and viewers are going to follow you <laughs> and find out more because this was such a valuable podcast interview. So thank you so much. That's fine. And if anyone does want to know more, they can grab, I have an ebook, a free ebook called Understanding <gasps> Menopause, which you can get from my website, which is www.angela.com. You can sign up for that, grab that. And then I also do a free seven day hormone reset. But once you get the ebook, you'll find out about the next round of the hormone reset, which basically is just seven days to actually start to bring your hormones back into balance. So, oh, that's yeah. so, so good. I'll actually put all that information in the show notes so that people can look for it. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. I love talking yes. about this. Yes. Hey, it's been three months and over 5,000 downloads to Sexy Aging and I couldn't be more thrilled to know that women out there are starting to get the conversations going and the information that they need to help them transition through this incredible third age. And it can be incredible. Now, we don't want to hold this information to ourselves. It's imperative that we share this with our girlfriends, with our moms, with our significant others, so that we can all get on board and understand what's going on with our bodies and our minds. It's so important to share this information. It's no longer taboo. It is a conversation that needs to be had across all walks of life, uh, from career to home life to relationships. So, so important for our mental health as well. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, subscribing, rating on Apple Podcasts, come on, be a darling, get on it and share the good news that the menopause story is here and we've got this. Let's do it, ladies.